Hey, Heartland family, it's Dusty and Kendra, and we can't believe it. Spring is finally here. Your allergies are telling you so. <laughs> but that means Easter is right around the corner That's as well. Right, it is. And it's the biggest weekend of the year for Christians all around the world. And we can't wait to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with all of you, our Heartland Church family. That's right. So this year, we want you to know we're planning five, come on, say with me, five Easter experiences, identical Easter experiences. We're giving you all the information now so that you can begin planning what service you're gonna join us at this year. That's right. So this year we're hosting services on Friday at 7 p.m., Saturday at 6 p.m., and then you're gonna have three opportunities on Easter Sunday starting at 8.45 a.m., 10.15, and the last one at 11.45 a.m. It's gonna be a great day. We're gonna have an amazing day of worship, a life-giving message, and might I say some really great fun for all the kids. There's one other detail that you need to hear. Since first Wednesday falls this year on the week prior to Easter, we created a special Road to the Cross interactive experience to prepare you for the resurrection. I'm really excited about this. This experience is gonna take you through eight stations to experience the cross. Now, listen, we're gonna have it available on the first Wednesday before Easter. That's April 5th. It's gonna be a come and go experience from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can come at any time in between those time periods. You can go online today, in fact, learn all about what we're doing, not only that day, but really all of Easter as well, because we want you to invite somebody to come to Easter with you. That's right, we can't wait for Easter at Heartland Church. So invite a friend and let's make this the best Easter ever. We love you. We love you, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Well, come on, everybody. Are you excited for Easter? Man, it's going to be great. And uh, I, I love Easter. I'm, in fact, in honor of Easter, I'm wearing my, my brightest jacket today, everybody. My, my loving father saw me this morning and said, Mikey, you look like a women's basketball coach. And uh, <laughs> said, well, th thanks a lot, Dad. I really appreciate that one right before I go up and preach. But uh, that's what dads are for, right, everybody? Uh, but hey, my name is Mikey. I'm the next gen pastor here at HC, and uh, I honor our uh, our lead pastors, Pastor Dusty and Kendra. Like Pastor Dan said, they are on a spring break trip with their girls. We love them, and so Pastor Dusty and Kendra, if you're watching today, your church loves you. We love you. Now listen, uh, Reveal Conference is coming up, everybody. All right, it, it is almost here. And uh, we are less than two weeks away from my favorite event that we get to do all year long, all right? We will have hundreds and hundreds of young people in this auditorium giving their all to Jesus, and I just can't wait to see it. And I thank you for wanting to be a part of it. And, and everyone that's registered and signed up to serve and volunteer at that, just thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, it, it means the world to me. And if you'd like to volunteer, if you'd like to register to be a part of that, you can do so at our reveal table in the lobby. And uh, parents, if you have kids, if you have students, this is the best thing that they could do with their weekend all year long, okay? And so I encourage you to get your kids signed up. Well, today, we're in our fifth week of our series, Rooted in Rhythms. And Pastor Dusty did a great job the first three weeks talking about the rhythm of repentance, the rhythm of worship, and then the rhythm of Bible reading. And then last week, we talked about the rhythm of serving in our life. 
And I, and I just want to thank you guys because you had an incredible reaction to last week's message about serving. Because, uh, Pastor Becky, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that uh, the meeting that we had last week, I think that we have more people signed up for One Day Houston than any other national mission trip that we've ever done in Heartland's history. So come on, give it up for you. That's amazing. It, it helps that it's in Houston, but still, we're gonna celebrate it, everybody. And uh, I'm also so thankful for the people that texted me and reached out on Facebook and said, hey, I wanna get involved, I wanna serve my church. People like Jessica, who texted me on Sunday after church, and then the following Wednesday was in Heartland students serving your guts. I mean, that's amazing, everybody. Isn't that awesome? That's so, so, so incredible. And so I just wanna thank you so much for making serving a rhythm of your life. And today, I have the honor of teaching on the subject of prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some prayer. And then like, if they said that to you, just receive it and say amen, everybody, it's great. Uh, for whatever reason, prayer was often in my upbringing something that, that intimidated me a lot. Uh, it was something that, that I always felt like as a teenager I struggled with, and just throughout my upbringing, I, I was so nervous to do it. I always felt like I, I did it wrong or I didn't do it super well. And I remember very vividly one of the very first times I hung out with my wife, Carly, her parents, my, my future in-laws, and, uh, you know, Carly's, uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but Carly's parents actually pastor a church in Round Rock, Texas, okay? They've been there for 20 years. It's amazing, and, and the things that God has done through them and through that church is so incredible. But one of the first times that I was hanging out with them, we were at a restaurant, and good old Pastor Jeff, he looks at me and he says, Mikey, why don't, why don't you bless the food? And here I am, this 19-year-old punk kid, right, trying to take his daughter from Austin to Dallas with me, right? And so I'm thinking in my mind, Mikey, don't screw this up. Do not screw this up, all right? This is your first time praying in front of Pastor Jeff. Come on, Faulkner. You can pull yourself together and do this, all right? You could do this. And so, like, I wanted to make sure it was a good prayer, but not, like, too good of a prayer because, like, the food is here. Right, And so we all know the struggle of like praying for our food and thanking God for it, but also like, come on, I'm ready to eat, right? Like we all know that line. There's a line there, everybody. And so I was trying to find the line between, hey, man, this young man is a, a man of God filled with the Holy Spirit. He can have my daughter. And the line between that and, hey, come on, kid, hurry up. My enchiladas are getting cold, right? Right? Like there's a line there. And it, you know, this, this has nothing to do with my message, but it brought up an interesting tidbit for me. Um, why do we pray for our food once it gets to the table? Like, can we pray beforehand? Like, if we're going out to eat, everybody, like, I'm hungry when the food comes, all right? Like, you, you have to wait. Apparently, you have to wait until that just amazing, sensational, sizzling smell of fajitas is in your nostrils. That's when you have to pray. No, I think that's ridiculous. Let's pray over the chips and salsa and let that cover the rest. Amen, everybody. Yes. I'm preaching to somebody in this room right now. <laughs> but here's the truth. Here's the truth. We serve an all-knowing, all-powerful, amazing God who desires to have a personal relationship with every single one of us in this room. 
And truly one of the most important, one of the most impactful things that we can do with our lives is to spend time with Jesus in prayer. Amen, everybody? And so what I want to try and do this morning is I just want to help you get into a rhythm of prayer. And I believe that this message today is both practical and personal. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that this message would allow you to experience new joy in your relationship with God. I want you to keep on praying. I want you to be disciplined and dedicated in your prayer life. And so let's start with the practical side of things today. And so I hope you guys receive some notes. We're going to take a few notes together. And if you didn't, just wave your hands and someone will bring you one. But here's the first thing that we need to do in order to have a rhythm of prayer in our life. Number one is we got to make prayer a priority. We have to make prayer a priority. Now, it doesn't really matter what time of day that you pray. God will answer your prayers at any time, of course. But there's something to be said about first things. It's why we have first Saturdays here at the church. It's why we spend our first Saturday of the month making sure to to give God our first in prayer and then give God our first in serving our community. And it's why we have a first Wednesday We come into this room and we have an amazing worship experience because we want to give God our first. And all throughout scripture, you see examples of morning prayer, firsts prayers. The psalmist David said this, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and I wait expectantly. But then the New Testament comes along and the New Testament says this. It says, pray continually. It's like, well, come on, Mikey, that, that's impossible, right? Like, I, I'm not going to pray continually. Like, I have kids, I have a job, things are going on in my life. Like, I have, a spe- like, I have responsibilities. I can't just be on my knees all day with, with, with my face down, like, praying to God all day long. And I would challenge you on this subject because I believe that's true for you unless prayer starts taking on a different form than what you currently have, Okay? Prayer does not have to be this super spiritual, overly spiritualized event where you're praying King James prayers. All right, we we know what that sounds like. Oh God, hearken thine ears to my word. Oh Jesus, I needest thou to hear mine voice. What light through yonder window breaks? Like, come on. Come on now, okay? We, we don't need to be doing that all the time. Like, prayer doesn't have to be this, this event where you have to get alone and in a quiet place and talk to God. I think that's great. We should do those things, but it doesn't have to be every single time. In fact, it might help some of you to imagine your prayer life as if you're like texting God, okay? Now, I don't want to be like the next gen guy. Oh, let's send text to Jesus, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm just trying to help explain something to you, all right? Carly and I, we text all day long, all day long. Like I'll say, hey, boo, how are you today? Now, I, you know, don't start your prayers with, hey, boo, like that's, don't do that. But I'll say, hey, boo, how you doing today? I love you. I miss you. You know, wh- what are we doing for dinner? Do you need me to go to the store? You know, like, wh- wh- is Brady okay? How's he doing today? You know, I'll, I'll just say things, say things throughout the day and text her these little one-sentence conversations all day long. And so in some ways, Carly and I are having conversation continually. And I want to give you the thought that you can have conversation with God all day long. You you can actually talk to him like it's a text relationship. Like, hey, Lord, I'm stepping into a meeting. I would love your help today. Need wisdom from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
What's wrong with that prayer, right? I had a mentor in my life recently challenge me on this idea of, of prayer, and he said, Mikey, I think it would be really, really great if you stopped scheduling meetings back-to-back, like immediately back-to-back. So, for example, I, I would schedule meetings from like 9 to 10 and then 10 to 11, right, and just knock them out, get them, over, or get them done with and, and, and move on to the next meeting and, and the next thing that's going on in that day. But he challenged me with that, and he said, Mikey, I think I want you to start scheduling meetings to where you have at least five minutes in between each one. And I said, why? He said, because in those five minutes, I want you to pray for three things. Number one, I want you to pray that God would refresh you from the previous meeting, that, that he would just give you a, 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 new, a new refreshing for the next one that you're about to step into. So ask him to, to refresh you from the previous one. The second thing I want you to pray for is I want you to pray for the person that you're about to meet with. Now, guys, can I just tell you for a second, it it has changed my meeting life to have prayed for the person that I'm meeting with before I even meet with them. You have a different attitude about that person when you're talking to God about them and, and praying over them and speaking life into them before you even step into the room with them. It's different. And then the final thing, I, uh, he said, I want you to ask God that the Holy Spirit would come into you and he would use you as his vessel and that he would give you wisdom and discernment in that meeting. So can I just tell you today, church, like those five minutes are non-negotiable for me anymore. In fact, if someone tries to come a little early, I will say, hey, can you give me just five minutes? Can you give me five minutes? I, I got to do something real quick. And, you know, I, I hope they don't think like I'm going to the bathroom or anything. I'm praying for them, right, everybody? But can, can you just give me five minutes? Can you give me five minutes? Because I believe that I'm a better leader. I believe that I'm better in meetings. I believe that things are just so more impactful when you start them with prayer. Amen, everybody? And those prayers that I pray, they're not elaborate prayers. I'm not in my office for five minutes wailing or weeping. I, I'm just simply shooting up quick texts to God. And I'll throw up one-sentence prayers all day long. I'll say, God, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for our amazing church and the people that are in it. God, I I can't wait to serve you today. God, this man that just cut me off in traffic, I pray that you would bless him because he obviously needs it. (laughs) Lord, I, I pray for this meeting I'm about to step into with Pastor Dusty. As I ask for an increased budget for Reveal 2024, God, give me favor. Give me favor in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that that as I play golf today, help me beat all of my friends in golf today, Lord. And funny enough, he actually answers that prayer more often than not. Uh, (laughs) Come on, we serve a faithful God, everybody. (laughs) Here's a question question I would ask you guys uh, about making a prayer a priority is, what do you have to, to rearrange in your life in order to make prayer? this priority. Now, for example, chances are some of us need to go to bed a little bit earlier so that we can wake up a little bit earlier and spend time in prayer. You know, I I know that today is daylight savings time. (laughs) Trust me, I know. I, I applaud you guys for coming to the early service. I think that's amazing. Well done. But what has to change in your life so that you can make prayer a priority? Maybe when you're driving into work in the mornings, don't listen to that sports talk radio or that murder mystery podcast, right? Instead, turn on some worship music and just let that be your prayer for that day. 
It, you don't have to have a, a quiet place, right? You, you don't have to have this special place that you go to. I think that's important, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. I just think that you can shoot up quick texts to God all day long. And so what is it that you have to rearrange in your life to make prayer a priority, all right? So now, number two, this is going to sound a little contradictory to what I just said, but number two is I, I do want you to find a dedicated place to pray, okay? We can shoot up quick texts all day long. I think those are great, but I also think there needs to be that spot, right? Like, we all have that spot. What's that spot in your life where you know that when you are in that spot, you and the Lord are going to meet together? I'd love for you to find this dedicated place to pray, and I believe that, that the Bible talks about this as well. In fact, Jesus had his own special dedicated place to pray. The Bible says this about him. It says very early in the morning, and by the way, very early in the morning, there's that priority part again. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now the chances are that this special place that he liked to pray was the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know for a fact that he went there the night before he was crucified, right? He went there and he, he prayed the prayer of God, if there's any other way to save people from their sins, if there's any way to do that other than me dying on this cross, please take this cup from me. But ultimately, not my will, but your will be done, right? We know that he prayed that prayer in the garden. And the garden was very accessible during this time. Now, I've never been to Jerusalem but it is absolutely something I want to do very soon. It's on my bucket list. How many of you guys have ever been to Jerusalem or Israel? Come on, wave at me if you've been. I have heard that it is one of the most life-changing things that you can do because it brings the Bible to life in a way that nothing else can, right? And so if you've been there, you, you know that the Garden of Gethsemane is at the bottom of this hillside on the eastern side of the old city. And on the, top of that, on the top of this hillside is actually called the Mount of Olives, where, by the way, Jesus ascended into heaven. That's where he ascended into heaven, and when he returns again, that's where he will descend back into the earth. And it's one of the most beautiful views of old city Jerusalem. And this is the reason why many scholars believe this was Jesus' favorite place to pray. It's because he could look out on the city that he loved, see the people that he loved, and begin to pray for that city and for those people. And can I just tell you today, church, I totally understand that. I get that. Because one of my favorite places to pray is right here in this church in our student auditorium. I have a burden. I have a weight that weighs on me, a spiritual weight for the next gen at Heartland Church. And so I will go into that room and I will start praying and just asking God, I'll say, Holy Spirit, come alive in our kids. Holy Spirit, come alive. I pray for, for discernment for our students, Lord Jesus, that, that there's a world out there right now, a culture out there right now that's constantly telling them that truth just comes from whoever's speaking the loudest on social media. But God, we need you to come and show us, tell our students, God, that it's not about who's the loudest. Absolute truth comes from the word of God. Absolute truth only comes from you, Jesus. And I'll start praying these prayers, and I'll walk around the room, and I'll kneel at the, at the stage that's in there, and I'll just ask God to come alive in our students. And the reason I do it in there is because I see students in there every single week. And so in my mind, I'm watching some of our students worship, right? 
I'm seeing them give their lives to him. I'm seeing them as they're, as they're worshiping and going after him. And, and it just helps my prayer life. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And so I want you to find that dedicated place to pray. My question for this point is what place would be most conducive for you to pray effectively? Maybe you just need it to be quiet. Maybe you're a mom or a dad with young children and in the mornings your houses are like a tornado. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But maybe you just need it to be quiet. Maybe, maybe you like to, to walk and pray. Well, come on, lace up those sneakers and hit the road, everybody. Maybe you love praying with a group of people. Well, join one of our prayer groups or, or start your own prayer group. What environment is best for you to pray effectively? We have to find what works for us. Number three is you have to have a plan for prayer. All right, we got to have a plan for prayer. I think one of the biggest hurdles, in fact, that many of us face in our prayer life is that we don't go into it prepared and ready to pray. Now we have a plan for pretty much everything else in our life, right? Like we live by a calendar. Our days, weeks, and months are planned out. Some of us have a meal plan and we know what our families are gonna eat for dinner every night of the week. For some of us, you know, we walk into meetings with an agenda. We know what the schedule of that meeting looks like. We have a schedule for every part of our life. Why would we not have one for our prayer life? That doesn't make sense to me. Luke 11 says this, uh, because Jesus did this for his disciples. He taught them how to pray. Luke 11 says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, the funny thing about this verse for me is that the disciples were not ignorant when it came to this idea of prayer. Like, they may have had various jobs before choosing to follow Jesus, but it's not like they weren't religious, right? And here they are saying, Jesus, we we were taught prayer. Like, we couldn't have a bar mitzvah until we we memorized scripture and, and learned how to pray, but we don't know how to pray like you're praying. You're doing something different. Would you teach us how to pray We want to know. And this is what Jesus said. He said, this is how you should pray. The King James Version says, after this manner, you should pray. And the the prayer that follows that is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and so on and so forth. Now, what I want you to catch in this verse is the fact that Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, hey, recite this prayer, he says, after this manner, you should pray. And I believe what what Jesus did for all of his disciples in that moment is give them a plan for prayer. The Lord's Prayer, Pastor Dusty did a great teaching on this recently. The Lord's Prayer is not something to be recited. I mean, you can, and that's great, but that would take you 28 seconds. It's how long it takes me to recite the Lord's Prayer is 28 seconds. And I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to a better prayer life than 28 seconds. Amen? Amen. And so I want you to have a plan for prayer. I'm sure a few of us have, have memorized some prayers in our day, right? Like, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this plate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, my wife and I, uh, we actually got into a little bit of a debate about this prayer Because the way that she was raised, it was God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if that's you, you're wrong. Um, 
There's no other way to say it. I'm sorry. But uh, let, let's just break this down for a second. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. Good and food don't rhyme. They don't. Good, food, they don't rhyme. You know what does rhyme? Great and plate. That's perfect. Don't mess with greatness, everybody. All right? Let's not change what's working. <laughs> but you know what? Both of those prayers are better than the really lazy one that's just like, God is neat, let's eat. All right? That, that's the really lazy one uh, for when you're really, really hungry, right? But I want, I want to ask you this question is, what plan makes prayer easy, interesting, and effective for you? Now, one, of the, one of the best messages that I've ever heard given on this, this topic of, of plans for prayer uh, was done by our pastor, Pastor Dusty, in 2020. And uh, it was in a series called Teach Me to Pray. And the title of his message that day was Tabernacle Prayer. Tabernacle Prayer. Now, he just did a message two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, about tabernacle worship. Uh, but this message that he did in 2020, Tabernacle Prayer, changed my prayer life, y'all. It changed my prayer life. Because it gave us a plan based on what they did in the Old Testament to get to God. It gave me a plan and a process for my prayer life. That we start in the outer courts, right, when it comes to tabernacle prayer. We start in the outer courts, and we just give God thanks. We give him praise. We thank you, Jesus. We enter into your courts with thanksgiving. And then we get to the brazen altar where they made sacrifices, and we, we, we remember the blood of Jesus that covers every sin. And so we thank Jesus for the cross. Lord, thank you so much for the cross. Oh, Lord Jesus, what we would be without the cross. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And then we move from the cross, and we go to the laver, right? And it's at the laver where you wash your hands. And what's really cool about the laver is that the laver was made out of, of mirrors, and so you could see yourself. And so you just purified yourself with the brazen altar. But then you get to the mirrors and you realize, man, I, I've still got some cleansing to do. Yes, I'm saved. Thank God for Jesus. But come on, I want to be sanctified. I want to be made righteous in his eyes. And then you go from the laver to the candlestick. And when the candlestick is lit, it represents the Holy Spirit. And so you ask God, hey, Holy Spirit, come and move in my life like only you can. Give me wisdom and discernment for the things that you would have me do. And you go on and on and on throughout the different pieces of furniture for tabern in the tabernacle. And like... I think that's so cool. I think that's so amazing. And, and it's given me a process and a plan for my life. And so I would encourage each and every one of you, if you want to take a little bit deeper of a dive on this idea of tabernacle worship, go and watch that message. It's a series called Teach Me to Pray from 2020. And then I want to give you one more resource. Uh, resource. It's one of the best books that I've read on prayer recently. It's called Pray First by Pastor Chris Hodges. He's the, the lead pastor of Church of the Highlands in Alabama. It's the second largest church in America. And uh, he just has some incredible, incredible things in that book. He talks about warfare prayers. He talks about the Lord's Prayer. He talks about tabernacle prayer. And, and it's just a, an amazing resource, and I would encourage you to grab that and read it if you want to take a deeper dive. Here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. We want to pray with energy and power. Energy and power and power. Now for those of you that know me, you know that I'm a pretty enthusiastic guy, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm an enthusiastic guy. It doesn't matter if I'm watching the, the Mavericks 
or whatever I'm doing, I'm enthusiastic about it. And I, I think that God wants us to be enthusiastic in our prayer life. What if I told you that our prayer life would be made so much better if it was filled with enthusiasm as opposed to just being really somber and melancholy all the time? Like, don't get me wrong, I, I, get, I get weepy, I cry in the presence of God all the time, right? That, that happens to me all the time. But there are a few, a few references in scripture that talk about you know, coming before God, bowing before him, but can I tell there's a lot more in scripture that talk about having enthusiasm in your prayer life. Things like, oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Both the Old and New Testament say, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless his name. And so here's the question that I have for each of us today. What hurdle will you have to overcome to make prayer a powerful experience? James 5 says this. It says, the effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. There's two words that are used as adjectives to describe this man's prayer life. It's fervent and effective. Effective and fervent. That's two words in English, but did you know it's only one word in the Greek, and it's the word energeo. And it's, it's the word where we get our word energy from. Like the more energy you put into your prayer time, the more enthusiasm you put into your time with God, the more effective these prayers are. These are the prayers, everybody, that availeth much. Now, some of you are like, Mikey, nah, I can't do that. I'm not an extrovert like you are. I'm really introverted. This isn't me. I'm doing good to just be in church right now, okay? Like you're preaching right now. Sometimes I'll give you a, "Mm," but that's all I'm giving you. I'm not giving you a that's good. I'm not giving you a preacher white boy, like Pastor Dusty always says. I'm not giving you any of that. I'm just giving you a, mm. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> glad you're doing it, honestly. I, I'm glad you're here. I, I want you to know that I'm so thankful that you've chosen to come to church today. But I feel like I would be a bad pastor if I didn't ask you to just take a step. Right? I'm not asking you to, do, to go from, from zero to 100. I'm just asking you to take a step. It, it's like worship, everybody. Like, I'm not asking you to go full touchdown. I just want you to hold the baby. Just hold the baby. Just keep it right here for a little bit, right? Like some of y'all in worship, your feet are stomping and your, your toe is saved, but you got to work that all the way up through the rest of your body, right? And we want to get that up there a little bit. And so I, I'm not asking... I'm, I'm not asking that, that you go from zero to 100. Just, just take a step. Take a step. And I'm closing today, and the team can come. But I just want you to take a step in your prayer life. Some of you may have never prayed out loud before in your entire life. Man, it'll change your life when you start to pray out loud. God hears the prayers that are in your mind. I believe that. But there's something about praying out loud. Maybe you've never prayed out loud before. Listen, wait till everybody leaves the house. Turn the music up real loud. Just try it. I promise you, you'll be so shocked, so surprised by how much you really enjoy it, how much you love it. And finally, my last point today, and I'm closing. Number five is is I want you to keep on praying. 
Keep on praying. Prayer is powerful. Prayer can change things. We say all the time here at HC that that prayer is a first response and not a last resort. And so why don't we do it more? Why don't we do it often? Why do we not pray? Why do we only pray when things are hard in our life? Why do we not have a rhythm of prayer in our life? And church, I, I would bring to you the fact that I believe one of the biggest reasons that many of us in the room today don't have a rhythm of prayer in our life is because we've been praying and we don't see anything changing. We don't continue to pray because we don't see things getting better. Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, this was Carly and I's life for a really long time. Uh, we, we, uh, we had doctors look us in the eyes and tell us that we would never be able to have kids. And uh, thank God that we serve a miracle-working Savior, a miracle-working God, because we just celebrated our son's, our son's birthday, his first birthday, back in January. Come on, we serve a great God, everybody. It was hole-in-one themed, all about golf. Are you shocked? I'm not. Here's the thing about prayer. On this side of that miracle in our life, it's really easy to see God as a miracle worker. It's really easy to see him as someone who loves his children and wants to give them good gifts. It's easy on this side of that miracle to to think that he's the God who listens and responds. But there are some of us here today that are on the other side. That you're you're on the side of your miracle where you're still waiting and you're frustrated and you're hurting and you're broken and you're asking questions like, God, are you even listening to me? Do you even care about the things that are going on in my life? I, I've trusted you with all of my heart. Why are you not answering this prayer? Why are you withholding this miracle from me? Do you not see me on my knees night after night with tears in my eyes begging you to move in my life? Maybe some of you in the room right now, you're, you or a family member has had a really bad diagnosis. And so you're just asking God, Lord, Please, be my miracle worker, my my absolute healer. Come and do a a miracle in my life or my family member's life. Maybe you're a mom or a dad here today that has been praying and praying and praying for your son or your daughter to come back to God, to come back to church. And not just come once, but get plugged in so that they can be thriving with God as the center of their life. Whatever it is that's going on in your life. Maybe you're a young adult in the room today and you've been asking God over and over and over again for that perfect job and yet no interviews have come your way. That's frustrating. It's disheartening. It's tough. But I want to tell you one of the revelations that I've received recently about this incredibly frustrating season of our life. And it's something that I hope will encourage you on that side of your miracle. And it's simply this, some mountains, God will move, okay? He's a miracle worker, a mountain mover, he can do it in a moment. There are some mountains in this life that God will move, but there are some mountains that God has called us to climb. I I heard Pastor Dusty say that phrase back in our At The Movies series 
and didn't really have the, he wasn't really talking about the same thing that I'm talking about, but when he said it, something clicked inside of me. Like, can I tell you guys, I, I am a better person today because of what I went through. I believe that I'm a better father today than, the, than, I, than I would have been if I hadn't have gone through what I went through. I believe that I'm more patient. I believe I'm more faith-filled. I believe that God had, had some things he wanted to chisel off of me. And I believe that I'm better because of what I went through. And can I just tell you guys today, I've been able to share Brady's story with so many people. I've met so many young couples struggling with the same stuff and being able to pray for them has just brought Carly and I so much joy. In fact, I'll, I'll close with this story. Uh, our staff team, we went to, to Utah recently, a couple weeks ago for a, a church conference. And uh, it was at this little leadership conference that, that I uh, saw this guy in the lobby and he was eating dried mangoes, okay? Now, dried mangoes are not, like, they're not the greatest, right? They're kind of good, but they're not the greatest. And so I walked up to him, and I said, just tried to break the ice and be funny. I said, huh, dried mangoes, huh? You, you really hate the food here, don't you? <laughs> and he laughed, and, and I laughed, and it broke the ice, and we started talking, and he told me he was a youth pastor from College Station. And as we talked, as we continued to, 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 to mingle and talk there in that moment, he, he told me, he said, Mikey, I, I, uh, I actually am eating these dried mangoes because my wife and I can't get pregnant. And our doctor told us to go on this new diet for 30 days and to see if it changes things, to see if it helps. And in that moment, I, I just hear the Holy Spirit in my ear go, ding, 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 here we go. And over the next like 60 seconds, I just encouraged him, tried to speak life into him. I told him Brady's story. And I, I just told him that things do get better. You know, it's, it's one thing for this, this young man to be on that side of his miracle and have someone encourage him, someone who's never been there, someone who's not been a part of something like that. But it's, it's a whole other thing to meet somebody who's on the other side of the miracle and can shout, God is good. God is faithful. Keep on praying because he's working in your life. Things can change in a moment. And at the end of that conversation, he looked at me and he said, man, I, I know this is weird, Mikey, but can I give you a hug? And I was like, ah, sure, I guess. He gave me a hug and we embraced. And as we embraced, I started praying for him. This is, this is no joke. David Dobosky was right there next to me. I started praying for this guy. And as I began to pray for him and, and speak life into him and, and ask for peace for him and his wife, and he just started bawling his eyes out, y'all. And it was in that moment that I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Mikey, this is why. This is why it wasn't a mountain that I moved. This is why it was a mountain that I asked you to climb. This is why. This is why. Ephesians 6.18 says this. It says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always, come on, say these last three words with me. Always keep on praying. Keep on praying. You gotta keep on praying, church. I know how tough it is. I know how hard it is. 
you, you know you serve a miracle-working God. But I just want you to know that God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And sometimes I just feel like if God, if God could just come down to this planet and lift you up and show you what lays beyond the other side of the wall, what lays beyond the other side of this season in your life, you would just sit there and say, of course, of course that's why I'm going through this right now. Of course that's why I'm on this side of my miracle. Of course that's why I'm frustrated. Of course that's why I'm going through it. But if I can see what God sees, if I can trust and know that God is a good God and wants to give good gifts to his kids, I have no problem. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. And so my question, the question I'll leave you with today on this, on this subject of keep on praying, will you trust God? We can trust him. Will you know that, that he knows better than you do? Will you know that he's got your best interests in mind? Will you trust and believe that he's a loving God who wants to do right by his kids? Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we worship you today. We give you all the praise this morning. Oh, you're good. Oh, you're so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room right now, y'all. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, right now, I, I say that I trust you. I say that whatever it is that's going on in my life right now, I believe that you know better. I believe that you're working all things for my good. And so I'm going to be like that righteous man. I'm going to pray fervently. I'm going to pray effectively because I know that those prayers avail much. And God, I'm going to keep on praying. And I'm going to keep on praying. When times are tough, when things look bleak, I'm going to keep on praying because I know that you are a miracle-working God. And if you've called me to climb that mountain, then I'm going to climb it. And I'm going to ask that you be right there, step for step, right beside me. Asking these things in Jesus' name right now. Church, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to ask you, if you feel like you're in one of these seasons, and you're on the other side of your miracle, would you just wave at me? Would you just wave at me? Wow. Dozens of hands going up all around the room. I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, for every person that raised their hand this morning, I ask that you first of all just give them peace. Give them peace right now in Jesus' name. There's a peace that comes with trusting in the Holy Spirit. There's a peace that comes. That Lord, you calm every storm. You calm every raging sea that's going on within us. And I ask for peace right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that if you want to do a miracle in their life right now, I call it out in Jesus' name. 
We speak life over those that raise their hands, that whatever their situation is, we know you're a miracle-working God. And so in Jesus' name right now, if you can make that miracle happen right now, and I'm asking for it, God. I'm asking for it. But God, if it's a mountain that you've called us to climb, then we're going to be diligent, and we're going to be faithful, and we're going to climb it to the best of our ability. And we're going to keep you at the center. And we're not going to, as Proverbs says, we're not going to fall to the left or to the right. Our feet are going to go straight after you. So Heavenly Father, right now for all of us, I pray that we could have a rhythm of prayer in our life. It's too important not to. You've called us all to have this rhythm of prayer, God. And I just speak it over our church right now in Jesus' name that we would all have it. We'd find a dedicated place. We'd make it a priority. We'd have a plan. We'd pray with with vigor and expectancy and enthusiasm, God. Lord, we thank you for it. Thanks for being an amazing God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, can we clap our hands to the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if that was you and you did raise your hand, you're going through a situation, a struggle, uh, don't keep it inside. Yeah, I, I hope that you or, or you and your spouse will talk to somebody about it. We've got incredible pastors on our team that, that love helping people through the tough situations of their life. And so please reach out to one of us. You, you can email us at info at theheartlandchurch.com and we just wanna pray for you. You can also ask for prayer at prayer at theheartlandchurch.com. And we have a team of people every single week that pray over those prayer requests. All right. Well, hey, why don't you stand all across the room today? Thanks so much for coming. And uh, today, we actually have a Reveal Conference volunteer meeting taking place after second service. It's the first one. We have the second opportunity to be a part of that meeting next Sunday after second service. And so if you are volunteering for Reveal, I pray that you'll come back either today or tomorrow, or excuse me, next week after second service and uh, be a part of that with us. We're really, really excited. And uh, we believe that God is moving at, going to move at Reveal Conference this year. In fact, I've been texting youth pastors a lot, everybody, and they are telling me, Mikey, our students are so expectant. Like, I, I don't know, there is revival that's taking place in the United States right now, everybody. God is up to something. God is doing something. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he does here at Reveal 2023. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for remembering uh, to give, and, and there's ways that you can give. They're on the screen right there. You can do it online via text or in the buckets as you leave today. And we're the only way we're able to do things like Reveal Conference and these mission trips and all that we're doing is thanks to you guys. And so thank you for being an amazingly generous church. We love you so much. And uh, let's pray together today, and you can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, I pray that we can keep on praying. Help prayer be a dedicated rhythm in our life. And Lord, whatever's given today, I ask that it would be used for the expansion of your kingdom, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our life. We love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Church, I love you. You guys are dismissed and we'll see you next week.